Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. So today is May 19th, as I mentioned. It is also the birthday of Malcolm X, also known as Malik El Shabazz, born this day in Omaha, Nebraska. Nebraska, he's the fourth of seven children. I'm going to speak of him in the present tense because his life bore not just four daughters, but also birthed a movement that I believe still runs in the veins of the spirits of so many people. I I tweeted out, um, I wonder had he lived, what would he have inspired in others? What would it look like today? Would we be in a space today with Charleston and Buffalo and Mike Brown and I can just go down the list, (laughs) you know, would there have been a Trayvon Martin had Malcolm lived? I I asked this question because I believe that there was a shift happening and these shifts don't, don't happen overnight. You know, people sit with them, they catch fire and and ignite in different ways and different people at different times, things that you come across. I just know from my own journey, you know, it could be a a quote that I read or a speech that I watched um, preparing for the show. I've spent many of Saturday afternoons going down rabbit holes. We have compiled more than 180 plus clips of different people, primarily that have come from rabbit holes that I've gone down on a Saturday. And I'm like, oh, this would be great to pull. And we have a binder full of clips. I've used less of them uh, as the time has gone by, because now those clips, they there's a scripture that says the word becomes flesh. The word the words of those powerful people have become part of my flesh, part of the thing that I do every day. Just now it's just natural, natural. I don't need to reinforce them, but sometimes we need to sit um, with the voice of our ancestors to be reminded of who we are and what we're supposed to do here. Um, So today, this first hour, I canceled all guests. We, We had some because I want to sit in community with you through the words of Malik El Shabazz, also known as Malcolm X, I want to spend some time with this ancestor. And those of you who uh, for the last couple of years have been part of In Class with Car in the last year and change have been part of narrative in the last six months or so have been part of something called Nubia. We're in community pretty frequently with our ancestors. And I posted a clip on Twitter from episode 62 of in class with Carr, where Dr. Carr and I had this conversation about Malcolm X, uh, shortly before his birthday, 2021. And the question was, who is Malcolm to us? So there's, uh, something that Dr. Carr and others in Philadelphia and the freedom schools there developed an Africana framework where the first question is, who are we to each other? Who are we to, who are we to others? Meaning those of us who are African anywhere in the world, how do they see us? What is that they see? Do they see thugs with hoodies? Do they see uh, criminals? Do they see unwed unwed mothers, uh, unwanted children? Do they see poverty? Who are we to others? Do they see human beings? Do they see us as human beings? Who are we to others? But the second most important question is who are we to each other? And I think um, Malcolm X spent a great deal of time contemplating that. So I'm going to play some clips from a speech that he delivers, one of his first speeches, uh, one of the first speeches that put him in the public eye. It was one of the first speeches where people sat up and said, who is this? Who is this? And it was delivered May 20th, 1962, a day after his birthday in Los Angeles. 
what had transpired the month before in April 1962, April 27th to be exact, at a, at the mosque in Los Angeles. Two men, Monroe Jones and Fred Jingles, they were unpacking, unloading suits out of the back of a Buick in front of the Nation of Islam's mosque in South Los Angeles. When two white officers stopped them, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, they weren't bothering anybody and they weren't stealing anything, but you know how that goes. You know how that goes. And out of nowhere, I guess they, maybe they talk back. I don't know what happened. Uh, I don't know what Mr. Jones and Mr. Jingle said to those officers, but a gunfire uh, ensued. I'm imagining that the gunfire didn't come from Jones and Jingles. In the melee that was unleashed that eventually led to 75 police officers being deployed. Yes, I'm saying deployed on purpose because it does feel like a military operation. One man, William Rogers, innocent bystander, was left paralyzed from the waist down. The mosque secretary, Ronald Stokes, was shot through the heart at close range while walking toward a white police officer with his hands raised in prayer. I need y'all to sit with that for a second. Hands raised in prayer, shot at close range in the heart, through the heart. Others lay on the ground handcuffed, um, as others lay on the ground handcuffed and bleeding because six other people were shot and injured. Um, they held hands and, and chanted Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. God is most great while they were being brutalized. There were images of Mr. Stokes, the secretary of this mosque, face down in handcuffs, swimming in a pool of his own blood. Now, again, he was shot through the heart at close range, so clearly he was dead, but they felt the need to handcuff him face down on the ground, dirty ground, with his face on the ground. A man who was raising his hands in prayer, face down on the ground, in a pool of his own blood. Uh, you know, the the headlines would say, you know, riot, melee, things like that. It wouldn't say police who are sworn to serve and protect the community. That's a, that's what they mostly swear in on, right? They swear in to serve and protect the community, created an environment that left a man paralyzed, six others injured, and Ronald Stokes dead. And he had been beaten as well at close range. Did they beat him afterwards? Because we know that that is not unusual, you know, after a lynching to cut off body parts and stab body, body parts and shoot body parts after the person's already dead. I don't know what that level of anger and violence is about, but that happened in Los Angeles. And that was the thing that precipitated Malcolm X at the time to arrive in Los Angeles to deliver a speech. I'm going to play clips from the speech. Now I, I pulled because it, you know, I, as I was pulling clips, there were, of course, the, you know, one of the most famous, you know, and I'm going to play this one first because this, this clip was like a compilation with music. But then I went, I was like, let me hear the whole speech. So I spent 40 minutes of my day listening to the whole speech. So I'm going to play this clip first, Smiz, uh, the one that I sent you, uh, clip number two. And then I'm going to go into pulling clips and some may be repetitive, but repet- repetition is how we learn. So I need us to sit with this for a minute. And I'm going to talk about it. And I want to talk with you about it. 866-801-8255. Because Malcolm X right now is an avatar. He is frozen in time. 
you know, uh, his assassination, of course, led to a, a lot of angst in documentaries. There's a whole lot of conjecture who did what, who did what, who did what. But we do know he was killed by fear and by power, that fear that he was freeing people. And I question those of you today who call yourselves activists. Who's being freed and who are you inspiring and what are you inspiring them to do? I do not consider myself an activist. So let me just say that I consider myself a person who has access to a microphone every day, whose edict job is to hopefully motivate people to want to seek the truth, to want to live their best lives. I, I want I, my job is educate, you know, as an educator first, but also a student. And as I learn, I teach. So I want to bring to you things that will hopefully make you think more deeply about your time spent here. And we get very little time, even if you get 100 years. That's a short period of time in the annals of history, right? That's that is such a blip, that little tiny dash between your birth and your death. So my job is to tap you on the shoulder and ask you, why are you here? <laughs> what are you doing with your time? And are you living your best life? Because we need people whole and healthy who will build things. We talked yesterday with a psychiatrist about mental health. And I'm going to continue to talk about mental health because I feel like we are bringing our trauma and damage into spaces that we need to build. And it's hard to build with a brick that is uh, compromised. You know, a brick that has an infraction. You know, it's interesting when we think about the Washington Monument, which is a knockoff of an obelisk in Egypt because they couldn't figure out how to do what they did <laughs> thousands of years ago. They can't figure it out. So they say aliens did it, but no, it was black people. And as they were building this monument in Egypt, there was a crack in, in the, um, in the, in the, it wasn't marble. I want to say the material. Some of you on Twitter will know what the material is that they used to build this obelisk, but there was a crack in it. So you know what they did? They started over because you cannot build with a crack. You cannot build with an infraction. So they started over, but that cracked obelisk still stands in Egypt. You can go visit it, but it's unfinished because it had a crack in it. I don't want us to be unfinished in anything that we do. The thing that I am committing the next 19 years now, 19, 18 and a half years of my life to building can't be built with cracked, infracted, half-broken pieces of brick. So I'm going to need everyone to get healthy. So I say that. 866-801-8255. I'd love for you to join us in conversation. Um, let's start with clip. Let me see. Clip number two, Smith. In order for you and me to devise some kind of method or strategy to offset some of the events or re a repetition of the events that have taken place here in Los Angeles recently, we have to go to the root. We have to go to the cause. Dealing with the condition itself is not enough. And it is because of our effort toward getting straight to the root that people oftentimes think we are dealing in hate. We are oppressed. We are exploited. We are downtrodden. We are denied not only civil rights, but even human rights. So the only way we're going to get some of this oppression 
and exploitation away from us or aside from us is come together against the common enemy. Who taught you to hate the texture of your hair? Who taught you to hate the color of your skin to such extent that you bleach to get like the white man? Who taught you to hate the shape of your nose and the shape of your lips? Who taught you to hate yourself from the top of your head to the soles of your feet? Who taught you to hate your own kind? Who taught you to hate the race that you belong to? So much so that you don't want to be around each other. No, before you come asking Mr. Muhammad, does he teach hate? You should ask yourself, who taught you to hate being what God gave you? And I, for one, as a Muslim, believe that the white man is intelligent enough. If he were made to realize how black people really feel and how fed up we are without that old compromising sweet talk. Stop sweet talking him. Tell him how you feel. Tell him how, what kind of hell you've been catching and let him know that if he's not ready to clean his house up, if he's not ready, to clean his house up. He shouldn't have a house. It should catch on fire and burn down. If he's not ready to clean his house, he shouldn't have a house. It should catch on fire and burn down. I think the house is burning. And it's interesting that uh, one of the last conversations that Martin Luther King had with Harry Belafonte, Martin Luther King Jr., was, I fear I've integrated my people into, the, into a burning house. I fear I've integrated my people into a burning house. I feel like we are confronted right now, those of us who live in America, no matter what level of melanin you have, with the con- with the prospects of living in a burning house. What does that look like? Are we suffering from smoke inhalation? What has that done to our insides? What has that done to our 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 brains? What what has living in a burning house done? Do we get comfortable uh, living, making the adjustment <laughs> to to being in a burning house? Do we try to move to another part of the house? Do we do we uh, every day spritz a little water on it, you know, just to keep the fire away from us, or or, or is it cooking us, literally, cooking us? Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. I played that clip first because that clip is widely uh, used because most people haven't sat and listened to the full forty minute speech, thirty nine and, and change minute speech that uh, Malcolm X delivered. One of the first speeches he delivered on the heels of a uh, brutalization of a mosque in, in in Los Angeles. And again, he came the day after his birthday. Uh, in 1962 to deliver this speech on behalf of Elijah Muhammad. But in this moment, he was moving away from what Elijah Muhammad would say, you know, we, we, you, you don't be too radical. People are saying that King, King died not very popular because he was rabble rousing and making it uncomfortable for black people uh, because you don't want to make white folk uncomfortable because they will lynch and they will burn down your whole entire community, firebomb it like Tulsa Rosewood or level it in 1919 summer for being uppity. King was uppity. King was uppity. Malcolm was uppity and he was causing problems for the nation. And there was a riff. The riff, some would say, had to do with some of the proclivities of Elijah Muhammad. But a lot of it had to do with Malcolm saying something has to be done. And platitudes and nice words. What did he say? Uh, Let's stop sweet talking. That's not good enough. Got to tell people the truth. And he actually had faith that these so-called white folk who we call melanemic, who we call, you know, um, so-called 
And we're going to get into that in a second. So-called, so-called. And that's why I want to play this other clip, which repeats some of the clip that you just heard. <sighs> as, as we move forward, people who have a brain will say, this is untenable. This house will fall. A house divided will fall, especially those Bible thumping melanemic people. A house divided will certainly fall. I think that's in Proverbs. The house is divided. And if you do not believe that we all belong in the house and somehow you want to eliminate some people from this house, well, we built the house. So guess what? (laughs) We built the house. Let's take our boards, nails, and everything and see how y'all live without a house. Now, the house is on fire. We don't need no water. Let Let it burn. Burn. You know, we know how to say that too. Are we going to let it burn? baby burn are we gonna let it burn with us in it because we're in it right now those we need to leave where are we going colonize africa the caribbean's waking up i like what's happening there but those become very very easy targets is there is there a self-defense uh, plan around Barbados and Jamaica and Grenada and Panama and all these. Uh, do we have a, a plan? I'm good with going. I don't want to stay in a burning house, but I'd much rather put the fire out because we can. Well, we need everybody to be on board to do that. And that's the other thing that uh, Malcolm X preached. I'm going to spend the whole hour. So 866-801-8255 having this conversation because, you know, on this day, we, we, we give platitudes, you know, and then we move on. But to sit in community with the ancestors means to digest the words that came out of their mouths and apply it to today because they're going to give us a blueprint. They're going to give us keys and clues to what we need to do. And I feel like we've had an interruption a few times, not just that 400 year interruption from greatness. And thank you. uh, The obelisk is made of limestone. Thank you. The broken obelisk, the cracked obelisk. You start over if it's cracked. You don't keep building. Well, America's obelisk has been cracked from the beginning. So let's figure this out because we have the ability to do that. We're very smart people. 866-801-8255. And I mean all of us, though, all of us who are smart. Those of you who are not smart, you reveal yourselves every time you open your mouths or go on Twitter. All right, let's play the next clip three, which is a repeat. There's some repeat with some nuances. Play that. In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, to whom all praise is due, whom we forever thank, for giving us the Honorable Elijah Muhammad as our leader, teacher, and guide. And I specifically, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and brothers and sisters, uh, open up like that because I am a representative of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And were it not for him, you and I wouldn't be here today. In order for you and me to devise some kind of method or strategy to offset some of the events or a repetition of the events that have taken place here in Los Angeles recently, we have to go to the root. We have to go to the cause. Dealing with the condition itself is not enough. We have to get to the cause of it all or the root of it all. And it is because of our effort toward getting straight to the root that people oftentimes think we are dealing in hate. But first, I would like to congratulate and give praise 
to the Negro, so-called Negro leaders and so-called Negro organizations, and excuse me if I say so-called, it's hard for me to just outright say Negro when I know what that word Negro really means. So as we go forward, you know, uh, in this conversation, this is what I wanted from this, the so-called, the so-called, the so-called Negro, so-called white person, so-called because these constructs are made up. And as Malcolm X, because we meet him in the autobiography of of Malcolm X, when he uh, is incarcerated, getting that that dictionary, I wanted to call it the Bible, but the words are so powerful and going to the word white and the word black and then having an epiphany. Right. When he read the definitions of both of those. So Negro, Negro means black. And if you studied the dictionary as Malcolm did, you excuse me. uh, Let me let me call him by his his actual uh, Malik El Shabazz. You know that black had all of the negative connotations. Now, who made the definitions and why? You know, it all starts to line up. And so to say to call yourself something like the N word, y'all, those of you who still want to hold on to it, that was born in a in a in a space to denigrate and to always put you in a place of subservience, subservience and uh, lower, lower echelon and, and, and in a place of inhumanity, in a place of not being human, why would you then call yourself that? But in, in this speech, young, young uh, Malik El-Shabazz, known as Malcolm X, this time is, is trying to build a bridge. So he's peppering in Bible scriptures, <laughs> which you're going to find in another clip, and calling people who call themselves Negro at the time, so-called Negro, but then he's letting you know, so-called because it's not who we really are, but I'm going to use the language that you understand because it's hard to give a baby solid food. Those of you with the the formula uh, shortage right now are finding you can't even add extra water to that formula. Babies are having a hard time, their digestion, because those formulas are a formula. They're made specifically with this amount of water. You add more water to stretch it, you are now giving your baby something that is not easy for that child, that infant, that that, that, uh, young person to digest. It's the same with concepts. And I, you know, played a clip yesterday from uh, 2014. October 21st and that concept of the party of Lincoln, which was birthed here on this, on these programs. So anybody Lincoln project, all of that, they stole straight from here. And then like everything else, you don't give them credit. You'll give us credit and you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so uh, you got to involve the people that gave birth to something in the formation of the next thing that you want to do. That is an anchor to the thing that they created. You got to involve them. And when you don't, it will surely fail. That said, we're going to spend some time today, you know, as you as we as we are again in the in the wake of of folk burying their loved ones in Buffalo in the wake of election season that's coming upon us in the wake of, you know, all of the rise of, you know, evil that seems to be prevalent throughout the the globe. uh, We have the opportunity to determine exactly what happens next. We have the opportunity and the power. It was suggested yesterday we should take a day of absence. I think we will next year because it takes that long to to get everybody on board because things that you're not used to digesting seem foreign and you reject them immediately because you can't conceptualize what is being said. Doesn't make any sense to you, so it must be wrong. That's our knee-jerk reaction. I'm going to ask y'all to 
give a little space and grace for the things you may not understand and allow it to soak in so that we can get some ish done. And the obelisk is not limestone is granite. Limestone is porous by nature. I should have known that. It's granite, granite. Please don't give me bad information on Twitter. Make sure you check and double check because I'm doing a live show and I don't want to repeat something that is wrong. But uh, I did a little search while I was listening to the clip. Granite. 866-801-8255. So-called. What are we so-called today? Are we black? Hmm. All right, Smith. Let's play um, clip four. This is what the white man has done to you and me. He has divided us and used us one against the other. But today, thanks to Allah, you can say thanks to God or thanks to Jesus or thanks to Jehovah, whatever you want. But as a follower of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, we have been taught to say thanks to Allah. And that's what Jesus said. Jesus called on Allah. He said, Allah, Allah, lama asabakini. I believe what's, what's good for Jesus is good for you. If Allah was good enough for Jesus to call upon, I think he should be good enough for you to call upon. Since the so-called Negro community has shot the white man, by resisting all efforts to divide us, I think that you and I should continue to shock him by staying and working together in unity. Despite religious, political, economic, or educational, or social differences, let us remember that we are not brutalized because we're Baptists. We're not brutalized because we're Methodists. We're not brutalized because we're Muslims. We're not brutalized because we're Catholic. We're brutalized because we are black people in America. That's it. Allah, Jesus, God. Well, by the way, Allah and Jesus, same uh, God. Allah and God, Jehovah, same people. <laughs> what y'all fighting about? Stop allowing yourselves to be divided. Please, let's stop that. Let's stop that. That is how you lose. A house divided will certainly fall. I'm black. I'm ADOS. I'm, I'm, I'm a foundational black. Well, okay. Malcolm X's mother was from another place, from Grenada. So he's not foundational black? Y'all, y'all don't, he's not valuable? Yeah, okay. It's a reparations conversation. Okay, well, his parents were Garveyites. They fought for uh, black empowerment before all of you were born. <laughs> Louise Helen Little. Louise Helen Norton, born Louise Helen Norton, who married Earl Little, uh, a preacher and a fierce fighter for his people who was snatched up and lynched um, and destroyed the family as a result. They gave birth to Malcolm X. She was from Grenada, though. Fourth or seventh child uh, children uh, in that household. Garveyites, they followed Marcus Garvey. 866-801-8255. Uh, let's go to the phones. I have a couple more clips I want to play, but let me not let folk hold on too long. Joe in California, thank you for calling. Welcome. <clears throat> Hi. Hey, 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 Karen, how are you? I'm good. You know, yeah, because I, I want to ask that first because I know you got, you guys out here doing this work and, uh, you know, you, you always inspire us and give us, you know, information and, and words of encouragement. So I, I first want to just say how are you and your staff doing in these crazy times? Uh, 
so I can't speak for the whole staff, except they're here. They show up, you know, but I can speak for me. I'm actually um, more than good. I'm inspired. You know, I am, I don't wake up pessimistic and you know we the psychiatrist that was on yesterday was talking about how we you know we have to bring in filter joy we can't just stay on the news which is why you know I have I don't watch any of the cable news outlets anymore it's not anything that is part of I watch it CNBC that's cable cable news but that's about the money that's going on we're going to talk about that today too because it's about Thursday but by and large I spend my time in community so I'm good I'm optimistic I see us you know every day and I get to understand that there are way more of us doing things than not. So I'm not going to parrot the narrative of, you know, this community votes. This community is out there building their community. This is the community that's reading. This is the community that's out there uh, helping each other. So I am I get to see that every day, and I know that the future is bright. But we have some things to work through. So uh, to answer your question, which you didn't probably expect all of that, Joe, but, yeah, I'm good. Thank you for asking. I'm happy to hear that because uh, – I mean, you got Sir Flowers, too, and, and big shout-out to uh, your colleague, Joe Madison, Joe Madison, because, boy, was he on one this morning. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just he, this uh, morning? I'm like, every trolls. morning. Every well, no, morning. Well, no, I mean, t- I've never seen the amount of trolls that called him today that, I mean, versus any other day. I mean, he he had me. I had to literally pull over because I was laughing so hard because he, he said, boy, these MFs are uh, up early this morning. <laughs> But big shout out to you guys. No, you know, um, Malcolm X is my favorite. Uh, I mean, I, I love and respect and I'm thankful for all of our ancestors. Uh, but Malcolm X is definitely uh, my favorite. Uh, anybody who has the courage and the guts to stand up for truth, no matter what the opposition is, uh, is somebody that I can, you know, I can get behind. And so, uh, and, it, you know, the thing that really he really woke me up about was uh, I remember when 9-11 happened and, you know, America could have chosen so many different religions to pick a fight with or demonize. But I just find it ironic that the one that is probably more associated w- with us uh, and has been a comfort to us than, than any, uh, that's the one that America demonized, uh, talking about Islam. So, um, yeah, he's my favorite. Mm, um, let's not do that either. Like, I feel like that. <sighs> let's not do that. You know, we, we praise and find comfort. However we praise and find comfort. America picked a fight. Um, not with Islam. I mean, they used Islam, but that was, that was a, a very dirty, tricky tool. They picked a fight and it was a, a, a red herring actually with Islam because to have to talk about who funded Osama bin Laden, who armed Osama bin Laden, who trained Osama bin Laden. Why was Osama bin Laden really angry? It wasn't all the Islam. And then why go to Iraq, which had nothing to do with 9-11. And then you beat a hornet's nest with the Shia, the Sunni. I mean, they, they, they had their own internal thing. America... America threw a rock and hit their hand. America picked a fight with the boogeyman. They created the boogeyman. They picked a fight with the boogeyman they created, and we all fell in line with it. So that's our fault for being ignorant as hell. So I, I mean, I just I want to. I don't. I want to say what Malcolm said. Allah, Jesus, God, whoever, Jehovah, 
Let's stop doing black, ADOS, I'm from this, I'm from that, you're African, I'm Haitian. I don't care. He said they don't ask the question. When those cops pulled up on those brothers in 1962, April 27th, in front of the mosque, they didn't say, are you Muslim? Are you not Muslim? Are you are you from another country? Are you do you speak another language? They don't they didn't care. They didn't ask. They didn't ask Mike Brown what language he spoke when they when they killed that 18 year old and George Floyd. They didn't care where he came from when when Derek Chauvin and those four, three other police officers deprived him of his life. They didn't ask him. They just he's black. And the world saw that, which is why the world said this is wrong. Because it doesn't matter. Uh, Abdul Diallo from Africa didn't stop the 19 bullets from entering his body. Patrick Dorsman, I think he was also African. Or he might have been from the Caribbean. That didn't stop 30 bullets from hitting his body. Sean Bell, 30 bullets. Like, let's stop that. Um, because now that, that takes it into a, a conversation. Let's keep it simple. <laughs> the house is on fire. Do we get out? Do we stay in? Do we help put the fire out? Do we let the mother burn? Those are the questions that are on the table because they're still here. Today's the 97th birthday of Malcolm X, and we're still having conversations 50 years later. This speech was 1962. What's the date here? It's 1962. It is 2022. I'm sorry, 60 years later. My math is a little better than that. 60 years after these speeches, clips from this speech that I'm playing, we are still having the same conversations. That to me is insanity. And that should stop now. Joe, I appreciate you. Let's go to Betty in Vegas and then we're going to take a break. And then we'll take the rest of the calls when we come back. Hey, Betty. Hi. Um, I, I love Brother Malcolm, of course. But I think what we we tend to do sometimes is we stop in the middle of the instruction. Not only was he just telling us what's going on, what's happening to us, why it's happening to us, but he also told us what to do. And we sort of stop with that. And we have to remember, he was taught by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and there's a lot more teachings that is in that knowledge that we just push aside or don't know about. But there is a solution, and, and part of that solution, if you go to the back of the final call paper, that, that outlines it. But there is a way for us to stop this insanity because it is insanity, and we're trying to use logic against an insane system. The Caucasian is mentally ill. No, 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 is the one thing that will uh, blight out the darkness that we're currently in. But yeah, this, this, this circular conversation, the white man is the devil, the white man. Is, and listen, y'all can have that in your own spaces, in your own head spaces. But then I'm going to ask you, how does that free us? If you've uh, categorized a whole group of people, even in this speech, Malcolm said, I believe the white man's smart enough to understand if we tell them 
all of the things, how we need to tell them without sugarcoating it and without sending fake emissaries in to rub their back (laughs) and make them feel okay about it, make them extremely uncomfortable. Because I don't think all so-called white people are racist. I don't think all so-called white people want to see black people dead. I don't think that. And if I thought that, I would be on the first plane up out of here. Because then that really is untenable. I don't believe that. But I do believe that most white people are woefully ignorant on purpose. Because who wants to confront the the truth, right? So that's why we got to keep telling the truth in every place that we are. Tell it, tell it, tell it again. Tell it not sweetly, not nicely. Tell it, make them uncomfortable. Wear your natural hair. Somebody say, tell them, nope, uh, sue. We got to do all of those things. But we can't let them sit in their ignorance because their ignorance is killing us. So Malcolm said that, right? Malcolm said that. He didn't say, the white man's a devil and therefore we should, no. Let's start with the, the rhetoric that, again, and I think that that was the riff. That was the riff, right? That El Hodge, Malik, El Shabazz, once he went to Mecca and realized, oh, oh, we come in all shades and shapes and sizes and but we all serve the same God. We're all brothers. I got this wrong. He got this wrong. Why are you still parroting something that he corrected? We can't get there alone. <laughs> we are the mothers and fathers of this, of this world. Those are our children. Those are our offspring. In many ways, we are responsible. So if they're sick, the sickness came because we allowed it to happen. But we got the medicine, don't we? I believe we do. And we got the water hose to put the fire out. But will we use it? Or will we leave? I'm okay either way. 866-801-8255. But let's have the conversation. And then again, if we tell you that Negroes are being hung on the tree or being shot down illegally, unjustly, and those Negroes should do something to protect themselves, you say you're advocating violence. The white man is tricking you. He's trapping you. He doesn't call it violence when he lands troops in South Vietnam. Honey, please, please, please. He doesn't call it violence when he lands troops in Berlin. When the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, he didn't say get nonviolent. He said, praise the Lord, but pass the ammunition. when someone attacks you, when someone comes at you with a club, when someone comes at you with a rope, when someone comes at you with a gun, despite the fact that you've done nothing, he tells you, suffer peacefully. (laughs) Pray for those who use you despitefully. Be long-suffering. And how long can you suffer after suffering for 400 years? Today... Uh, Malcolm X would have been 97 years old. I wonder, had he lived, would we still be having these same conversations 60 years later? I feel like we wouldn't. Malcolm X was doing things like going to the UN (laughs) with other leaders of African nations and looking to uh, file charges against America for uh, human rights violations. He was doing stuff like that. Um, not just galvanizing people throughout the country around these issues of social justice. I mean, but he had warriors, you know, in his, 
in his camp of all races, by the way. All races. He was a, a forward thinker. He had to figure some things out, you know. And I think about the age that he left this earth. And um, some of you who are listening are in your 40s and 50s. And I think about Malcolm X, who, you know, didn't make it to age uh, 40. Didn't make it to age 40. Barely made it to, I think he was 39 when he left this earth, February 21st. Didn't make it to 40. And did all of that where we're still talking about him today because he kept evolving. He kept reading. He kept thinking. He kept processing. He kept saying, okay, what else? What else? Okay, let me figure this out and share it. As I learn, I teach. That's what we have to do uh, today. And the question on the table, we're in a burning house. Malcolm saw it. Martin Luther King, we just spent in April with Dr. Carr, four weeks with Where Do We Go From Here? Community of Chaos. Martin Luther King's posthumously uh, published book, His Last Words. Where do we go from here? Community or chaos? Where do we go from here? They were saying the same thing at the time of their death. Where do we go from here? We're in a burning house. Do we put the house fire out or do we let it burn? Haven't heard a solution to that. I've heard a lot of rhetoric today and I'm not here for it. We got enough of that in the world. Don't y'all watch enough cable news to get the rhetoric that you need? We expect something different here. Let's think more deeply. 866-801-8255. Jasper in Georgia. You're required to do more. Welcome. Thank you very much, uh, Karen, for having this program today. It's um, Having have read uh, some of the works of uh, Malcolm X over the years, uh, it's always intriguing and it's interesting and it's uh, soothing to hear his voice and to hear uh, the teachings that uh, he was able to to do while he was here with us. Uh, one of my concerns is that when you were talking about Christians, how do we, quote unquote, as Christians, continue to pray towards uh, and look at the same type of theology as those very people who are oppressing us and expect a different type of result? I'm reminded uh, when I look at the abolitionists uh, doing the precursor of the Civil War, uh, they were came out and they were totally against uh, what their brothers were doing um, in the South and some parts of the North. And until we have that same mindset uh, with those that want to be like other people and want to sit in their same churches and their ch- same pews, uh, you're not going to see a change. And I do believe that uh, if you continue with the attitude that you want to be like, liked, rather than to be respected, that you will never get any respect, and they'll continue to do what they're, they're, they're doing. And I don't understand one other thing, please, madam, why those persons who have killed like they have, murdered and slaughtered, are talking about that young man who went over to um, South Carolina and did that in the church there, and uh, these young people and that killed uh, in these uh, uh, Asian spas and, and places here in uh, Georgia, why are they still breathing air uh, in this earth realm? I just don't understand that, and I don't understand some of our black preachers who continue to talk about peace, peace, and everything is going to be all right. And I'm reminded that uh, in Ezekiel 13:22 says that Uh-oh. we, uh, for whatever reason, uh, you have made the heart of the righteous people sad, whom I have not made sad, by strengthening the hand of the wicked, by continuing to promise them life. 
all of them people are not going to heaven and they need to be called out and some fake Christians in, in Congress and all of us, every time that a black preacher gets a chance, he needs to point and to speak and to do. And in the words of, of Jeremiah, uh -oh. uh, uh, talking about Dr. King, he said, but those who have a dream, let them dream. But for those who have the word of God, preach the word of God. And the people in the Bible were people of color, just like me and you. Okay. And I, as soon as our consciousness wakes up to that and are able to stand on the promises of that scripture, then I start to see the change that we need to do. And uh, our friend, Mr. Herschel Walker, who's down here okay. running for this particular Jesus. office. Help us. Okay. There's a lot. Uh, I feel like a lot of us want to be preachers, but that's fine. That's fine. Um, to your point, uh, Christianity is an African religion. I said it. Uh, the very first convert to Christianity, which it wasn't called before Jesus uh, made transition and then resurrected, if that's what you believe or don't believe. Um, Jesus finds his way into the Quran. So he existed in, in many realms of religion. Uh religious practices, etc. But the first Christian was an Ethiopian, uh, who was part of Candace's uh Queen Queen Candace's um uh court. I guess he, I guess he would he would be considered like a, a servant or something or, or maybe a courtesan. Uh but the first convert into Christianity was an African to this day. Coptic Christianity is one of the purest so I'm never going to sit here as somebody who believed that Jesus walked this earth. And, and, uh, and even if I didn't believe he walked this earth, when I read those things in red, they still resonate with me. I can get with that. I can get with what love is. I can get with how we should love one another. I, sh I can get with how we shouldn't judge people. I can get with all of the things that Jesus allegedly said or may have really said because it, it uh, leaves the world better. How about that? But what I'm not going to do is wag a finger. What I will require of people, if you do sit your hind parts in a church, require of anybody opening their mouth, preaching the word that Jesus was radical. He turned over um, money changers who were defiling uh, the temple. But Jesus didn't spend a whole lot of time in the temple preaching. So, you know, it wasn't it was more symbolic, like, how dare you than it was. This is a sacred building. Those of you with your building funds that you're raising money to build edifices and buildings and not building people, you are not operating in the spirit of Christ. So therefore, you are not a Christian. And if you're in a church like that, then maybe either you hold your your leadership and there should be no leadership, uh, but you hold your pastor accountable because those who are pastors are held doubly accountable in the Bible. So if your pastor is not preaching liberation and radical freedom, he's not a follower of Christ. So why are you in that church to Jasper's point? Um, and all of these so-called Christians out there who are silent in the wake of what's happening in Buffalo, what have you. Um, my favorite disciple is Peter. He, he of the cutting off the ear. <laughs> That's kind of how I would roll. You know, but, you know, find your way, find your way. I'm not going to judge however you do it, but do it, do it righteously. Do it right. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.